How is everybody doing? My name is Sina Polivon, and welcome to another episode of the Talk Too Much podcast. First things first, I'm thinking of changing this from Talk Too Much to Talk Three Much. Um, it's Web3, not Web2, and I don't like the stigma of me talking a lot. Um, so yeah, we might change the game and go Talk Three Much, but when I make that name change, I have to go ham. Like, I have to, you know, it has to be like a state of mind when I'm ready to go in. So I'm going to do it soon. But like when I do it, I want to make it like I want to change a lot of things. And yeah, just make it a new chapter. Without further ado, this week's episode, I had my friend Yaz, who is the co-founder and CMO of Galaxy Fight Club, come on. For those of you that don't know, Galaxy Fight Club is a mobile app, a mobile game that has been released, and many many people throughout the NFT space have labeled Galaxy Fight Club as the Super Smash Bros of the NFT space. Why is this game considered the Super Smash Bros of the NFT space? Well, in Super Smash Bros, what Super Smash Bros is, is a game title that brought all these different major IPs in the Nintendo universe into one game and had them battle it out against each other. So basically, you could choose whatever character from the Nintendoverse that was in the game, and you could battle your friends, play the story mode, and, and just, yeah, progress through the game in, in such a manner. Galaxy Fight Club is getting NFTs from each major community and putting them in a game where they fight and kill each other. Um, it's not gory. It's nothing nothing crazy like that. It's a, just a fun mobile RPG, mobile game, action game. I don't know if it's an RPG. But the point is, you can. They uh, the goal of this game is to eventually have your own PFP uh, that you that you play with, as in the game. So very very much similar to Super Smash Bros. Except it's a different game mode. Uh, the game mode is different. The game loop is different than the Super Smash Bros. game loop. But both these titles are are bringing in IPs from their industries into one product and and creating an entertainment product out of it. So without further ado. What do I think of Galaxy Fight Club? I'm a big fan of it. I'm a big fan of what Yas is trying to do uh, and the team is trying to do because you've seen the success that that every that game titles that have brought in IPs um, from across their, uh, I guess, niches have done. The reason I wanted to do this episode is because I truly believe this is going to be one of the mobile games that hits the mass market. And I want to start covering any every, you know, big NFT gaming title that's coming out. And I want to start, you know, exposing you guys to these gaming communities in the NFT space the same way I did to the uh, with these PFP projects back in the past. And I truly think that uh, everybody in the NFT space, these games... They're kind of like the projects. They're kind of like the cool cats, kind of like the doodles, except they have environments built out for their assets. Galaxy Fight Club has an NFT collection out on OpenSea that earns you passive income. So in my opinion, people should do more research into these gaming titles because I think there's a lot more uh, that they offer than a lot of these static PFP communities. So that's going to be a focus going forward is focusing on the gaming, uh, the NFT gaming community as well and covering these major game, gaming titles for you guys. So without further ado, let's get into the Galaxy Fight Club episode, my friends. Yeah, I've talked for way too long today, right? Mr. Yas is the co-founder of Galaxy Fight Club. And for those of you that don't know, Galaxy Fight Club is labeled as the Super Smash Bros of the NFT space. Now, a big debate going on in gaming, and this is why in this podcast I've had, I've usually interviewed a lot of NFT founders, Yas. Going forward, I'm really trying to interview a lot of gaming founders more so, is because of, number one, 
the debate on NFTs as to what's their utility, what's the use case beyond static PFPs. And then number two, I guess, I think gaming is the next marketing vertical for every business. And I think these NFTs are leading into gaming. And throughout history, every the number one criteria for a gaming product has been fun. The gaming product has to be fun for it to sell. And in crypto, with all the, the knock on all these NFT games is that they're not fun. And so what I want to focus on this episode is why Galaxy Fight Club is the Super Smash Bros. of the NFT space, but also, is our NFT games supposed to be fun, or are they supposed to focus on finances, and where does Galaxy Fight Club fit into that mold? So, I guess to throw this off officially again, your way, Mr. Yas, why is Galaxy Fight Club the Super Smash Bros. of the NFT space? I actually like that intro a little bit better than the first one. <laughs> yeah, I think it was good. I mean, I like both, but um, yeah. Um, why is Galaxy Fight Club the Super Smash Bros? I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say that we are the Super Smash Bros of the NFT space. <clears throat> Our mission just initially started off as becoming the Super Smash Bros of the NFT space because of the the way that we want to make different uh, intellectual properties uh, interact with each other in a meaningful way. So the same way, if you think of Super Smash Bros, the same way you can play as Link or Sonic or Super Mario within their game, we want to allow people in the Web3 space and in the NFT space to play as their favorite NFT. So if you own, you know, let's say a Bored Ape or a CyberKongs or a Llamaverse uh, or any of these um, predominant NFT collections, you can take them into our game and actually play as, you know, your favorite NFT. So... You said that now your goal now, even though you're you're not the Super Smash Bros of the NFT space, but it's a similar game construct in a way, right? Um, the the game is different. Uh, we actually have a three D game, whereas uh, Super Smash Bros traditionally is two D. Yeah, two D. Um, so our game is definitely different, but um, just in regards of the mission and you yes. know bringing that interoperability into the space. I think that's kind of where we took the inspiration from Super Smash Bros. And we also, as a company, um, moved slightly away from that because our mission just became a lot bigger. So whereas initially we just wanted to build out this one game and uh, you know be that kind of Super Smash Bros. experience in the Web3 space, right now we we started to slightly shift our mission to, and this sounds super ambitious, I know, but uh, to be the Nintendo of Web3, um, but instead of franchises coming together in a closed loop, we believe in interoperability of digital assets, you know? So a truly open ecosystem where players, uh, instead of the company, own the intellectual property. And uh, yeah, just making NFTs and assets digital assets interact with each other in a meaningful way. I think that's kind of what we stand for. And it goes way and, beyond just one game. And I, I like what I, when I say the, the, the quotation, the references to, to, so the audience understands the super smash bros of the NFT space is super smash bros. What you just said was a sort of an interoperable platform amongst the Nintendo franchises where 
all these game characters from all these games came into this platform from their platforms and battled against each other or just were together in yeah. some sort of product. And when I saw Galaxy Fight Club, you saw the apes, the cyber Kongs, the Llamaverse, all these NFTs are coming together to create this, that same feel. It's sort of bringing these communities together. And I think that's what got traction. What I'm fascinated about Galaxy Fight Club is your op, you, your operational ability. I, I brought this to your attention at VCon when the product now that Galaxy Fight Club is, is much different than it was when you first started out. So I have to start this off, what was your original inspiration? Uh, what made you change the product design completely uh, to where it is now? I think that, I think that we just wanted to challenge ourselves, really. Uh, initially, if you're, I'm not sure if you, I know that you were one of the super early holders of our collection, right? So I'm not exactly sure if you remember the, the, the initial sketches and drawouts that we, that we made for yeah. the game, but they were, you know, a 2D based, like platform based game. Um, I think we just wanted to, to step it up from there. I think it, it just wouldn't have been enough for us. Uh, I think the, the quality and the, um, the the output of work that we can knock out is definitely a lot higher than that, and that's kind of where we made, why we made the pivot, went into three D, made it mobile instead of PC, um, because it's a it's a much wider market, and I think that we're on track to just penetrate that. Um, I'm really confident in in the success of Galaxy Fight Club, um, especially because of the competence that each of the uh, team members currently on board just brings to the table and i think if we just went for you know a a simple like 2d style pc game i think it just wouldn't have lived up to what we actually are able to do and i think you're right i think that even resonated with me that hit that got me to be like gung-ho about it now because that kind of what i thought it was going to be is turning out to be true so i really love your focus on mobile for those of you that don't know that move the mobile gaming market supersedes the desktop gaming market by far and they bring in a lot they adhere to a lot more casual gamers so i do think that was a smart move i also want to comment on as a founder, right? Everybody has these ideas. I want to create this product and they have this set idea in their head. When you start your business, things come your way, obstacles, some community feedback, investor feedback, bad problems. And when you, you need to be self-aware and analyze the problem and you need to be able to pivot, whether it's 360, 720, whatever it is, you need to be able to execute that. And for me, I was more so it's hard for a lot of founders to like to do that pivot. If I'm being honest, it's very, it's not an easy thing to do. And I think that, that right there was very key for me and also made me believe in the team more is your self-awareness. Now going, I want to touch on the fun aspect because the, the truth of the matter is the reason you upgraded this game and is you want it to be more fun. You want it to be more enjoyable for the user. That was your thought. How in, let's, let's go attack the game loops. How, what would you say? For the casual gaming fan, how is this game fun for them, in your opinion? Okay, we'll do a short break here, shortcut. Uh, I think if you, when you talk to the mic, I think you just need to leave it away from from your table? face. Okay. Yeah. No, from away from you. <clears throat> like because this there's, better? this is way better because there's okay. dynamic microphones and there's condenser microphones, and this is a condenser, for example whereas yours is a dynamic one, and they just pick up the audio from the room, and they don't need to be close up. 
So what about now? If what you, about now? Is it different? It or if you keep it close, it just starts like scratching a little bit. Okay, and this is better, right here. The, yeah, definitely. Okay, I'll keep it like this from now on. I didn't even know you could hear me from this. Okay, thank you. Yeah, no worries. It's just a different type of microphone, you mm -hmm. know. Um, but uh, you should probably get one of these just because it's look. Which it one is cool. that? Is that a Shure? Is that a Shure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will. Don't fall back into the idea. habit. No, don't don't fall back into the habit. Just leave your microphone on the desk. Like this. don't touch it. Yeah, you just, hear it? yeah. You hear me? You hear me? Yeah, right of now. course. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. and you don't even have to shout. Like I can hear you perfectly fine. Okay, so what was the question? Again? Oh yeah, the game. Go ahead and, and um, please. It was you why that, people. Way. Just so you know, of I course. appreciate that. I really do. Of course, that, that's going to help me. Thank you. Um, the question was why people are why are people yeah, going what, to enjoy the about, game? I'm very big. So now I, I work for for you. I told you about pixeling. So I've I've had, have experience building a game, an Unreal Engine product, a mobile game. Like I'm actually like watching this. What, in your opinion? makes these game loops fun like what attracts the the casual gamer to these game loops so i think what attracts casual gamers into the game loops is a game experience that promotes i guess the natural output of dopamine so in order to achieve that you just need to have these constant moments of success for the player right and <clears throat> excuse me and i think that if you combine a properly thought out and built out game that can in theory just be a standalone right it can just be its own game a normal game no reference to web3 whatsoever and you combine that with what we talked about initially in the at, at the beginning of the conversation which is the tokenomics side of things if you combine that then I think you're set up for a success. And I think that to achieve mass adoption, having a fun game is actually more important than having great tokenomics. Because even though I understand where your argument was coming from with having a better tokenomics might be the more important thing, even though you might be able to attract a larger player base initially just from the Web3 space and people trying to make money, I think for a real mass adoption and getting millions upon millions of players to download your game and actually enjoy that game and, and have that great gaming experience, you just need to have a good game. You know, It needs to be a standalone game that could in theory just be played without any additional benefits. And then you give people the cherry on top, which is the additional use case that we can provide through the Web3 integrations. And I think that... Um, Do you feel like you said, okay, do you think that addicting is if there was a game loop, right, that promotes progression of a character, of an item, and it's mm -hmm. addicting, you keep going back, right? Mm -hmm. Does that mean it's fun? Um, it, depends on, it depends on the way you look at it. If you're talking about traditional gamers, it might be fun. If you're talking about casual gamers, it's definitely not fun because traditional gamers aren't looking for that grind experience. You know, if you if you look at us, I'm, or I'm not sure like how much of a gaming background you personally have or which kind of games you like to play, but grinding, up I used games, to like RuneScape. Yeah, I, I I used to I used to play some games that were like 
dude, it was just a grind. It was literally a grind. You know, it was literally just clicking from one yeah. monster to the next, you know, just grinding on for hours, doing nothing like not it wasn't fun. It was just addictive, you know? And I think I kind of got myself through the experience and I thought it was enjoyable because I knew that I was getting some sort of some sort of um like reward, I guess, um from playing. But casual gamers do not enjoy that experience. And I think that to answer your question, I guess, I don't think that that's enjoyable. No. Um, and to also touch on what I wanted to, um, what I wanted to, to say before was that I actually think that we need to educate, you know, just casual gamers that have nothing to do with the Web3 space about these benefits that we can provide for these casual gamers through the Web3 integrations. So having a game, so if you, I was thinking a lot about this, um, where imagine if Galaxy Fight Club wasn't even, or let's take it away from, from, from Galaxy Fight Club. I think we can apply this to, to any game that's, in, that's being built in the Web3 space. So if we just say, for example, you have a game, um, it's super famous in the Web3 space, right? And you want to take it to a mass market. And I think the move is just to brand it as a normal game. Like game. it has nothing to do with crypto. It has nothing to do with play to earn. It has nothing to do with tokens or anything along those lines. It's just a game and you market that to a wider audience outside of our space and you educate people f uh, through the game as to what the additional utility is that your game actually has. You know, so if you if you take it as like a super simple example, um, you download the game, you level up uh, like the first couple of levels, you get rewarded with a weapon or something, just just an in-game item as a weapon. Uh, you play, you progress through another couple of levels, and then you have a additional tutorial that pops up that explains to you in like 20 seconds that if you create a metamask account you can actually get your your uh, weapons as a digital asset you know with it like as an nft right and then you progress through another couple of, you ignore that obviously because you think you know what the fuck's going on you ignore that you go through another couple of levels and then you get <clears throat> another guide or another pop-up notification that just reminds you of that or that links you to a youtube video of someone explaining that they had this in-game skin that they sold after they didn't want to use it anymore, you know, and just trying to find different touch points. Like this was just stuff that I just, you know, came up with on the yeah. top of my head. I have, so, I have some more in-depth ideas when it comes to our game, uh, but what I'm trying to get across is having these small touch points where you can just ping people to, to take the, the, the leap of faith, take the additional step to get educated about the Web3 space even though they've not, they don't know anything about it. And I, I, I very much agree with you because, so I'm very interested in loyalty reward programs for the food and beverage industry on the blockchain. And you said something, your mindset's the same as mine, but in gaming. Whereas I said, yeah, we're going to incorporate NFTs. Yeah, these are going to be on the blockchain. There's going to be like ancillary assets, ancillary assets. I don't know what it's called, where they're just tokens that have no financial value to serve as loyalty reward points. But 
we're going to include a, a, a credit card on-ramp or a FIA on-ramp. We're going to yeah. market it as loyalty reward programs for restaurants. We're not saying blockchain NFTs. And I think that is huge. And the way you said it is – so Galaxy Fight Club is going to have tokenomics installed into the game. But you're not the, – the, you said the key there is you're not branding it as such. You're not marketing it as such because at the end of the day – it's not about what you want. It's what the user wants to hear that will sell your product. And if you're hitting those touch points, like if you're saying this is a fun game that you're going to enjoy, the user's more likely to be it, to like like it rather than hear the words crypto, NFT, and traditional gamers, to be honest, hate those words. They related to Ponzi schemes. Exactly. So, so I think that in, a, in of itself is actually very smart. And I, I actually encourage most operators in Web3 to think that way. Build a Web3 product, but market it for the generalized audience. So to turn it over from the fun part, I guess, how would you explain, I guess, the tokenomics? What about, you said that at the beginning of this conversation, you said that, <clears throat> it might have been the first or the second one, you said that what Galaxy Fight Club does well is you hit on both verticals. It's a fun game and tokenomics. So if you could please explain how. Yeah, absolutely. I think we... Um, I think we have one of the more like complex ecosystems in the space because we have many different collections. We have a bunch of like burning mechanisms, upgrade mechanisms, like breeding mechanisms and all sorts of things. And not necessarily saying that this is a good or a bad thing, uh, just, you know, pointing it out. But uh, I think that we made a really good job at nailing down our tokenomics when it comes to integrating with all of these features. And also obviously being cross-chain, uh, our, um, our token actually lives on Polygon, not on the mainnet, um, to obviously help with gas fees and stuff like that. And I think, I think that we, I like to, I like to think that we learned from other people's mistakes in the space and actually came up with a with a token system that is more thoroughly thought through uh, than previous ones that we knew of and if you could please explain i guess some details about this to like what makes this token system so attractable to gamers okay um well the way gcoin uh, the way Gcoin's token tokenomics are set up is that it's actually a deflationary system. It's not inflationary. So if you look at um, Axie Infinity and SLP, that's like the primary example of an inflationary system because, you know, the more players you get, the more SLP gets generated, the more, you know, sell pressure you have on the token. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's that downward spiral. And um, the way Gcoin is set up is that, there's only a finite number of Gcoin that are ever going to be created. So not, not even just in circulation at a, at a single time, but created overall. So there's a, a maximum supply of 150 million Gcoin that are ever going to be uh, accumulated Great, or ever yeah. going to be produced, you know? So from there, whenever someone burns their Gcoin to upgrade their weapon to train an additional fighter, to um, open loot boxes, or do any of these mechanisms, you know, you can start subtracting from the 150 million. And eventually you'll end up at a very low number. And <clears throat> what we're actually doing to make sure that 
it still stays uh, somewhat managed is that uh, we we like to not exactly peg the the cost of our burning mechanisms to to a US dollar value but more or less so we want to make sure that it never gets too expensive from a dollar value uh, but also not too cheap to uh, to use gcoin in, in for any of these burning mechanisms and i hope that kind of made sense i know it's it's complicated yes. to talk about tokenomics not everyone you know gets it on the first on the first go uh, but i hope i was able to explain that properly and do you think through oh sorry you told me forgot to put the mic on the table sorry <laughs> and do you think through this deflationary model do you and this the, the that you built around the g coin do you see this as you scale this game as as you perfect the fun product part of it and you take this to the mass market and you scale it do you see this the tokenomics and the financial the economy of this game lasting as you scale or do you think that's something you're going to you might have to cut back on as this game grows bigger and bigger I don't think so at all. I think it, it it'll last because the way our our community or our player base is getting rewarded isn't through the token but through NFTs. So people can get rewarded with um we call them key shards and then you know you can combine 10 key shards to create a key. You can use that key to open a loot box and the loot box will contain weapons, consumables, armor and all of these different things. And those then can be used to upgrade existing stuff and then kind of progress through the game, get stronger, get better, uh, and then, you know, go through with uh, the, the, the the ranking system, you know, kind of get, try to get, you know, as good as you can. It's the same way if you compare it to uh, like the League of Legends ranked system where people just play to get, you know, to, to Diamond or to Challenger or, you know, you name it. Some people are happy with staying in gold. Others want to progress all the way to... To challenger you know so it's always different um and uh we want to we want to provide that experience and in order to to get that and to have that competitive level obviously there needs to be different types of equipment that people can use uh, and that just all kind of ties into it and oh I and actually that... to get back to the point sorry just to get no, back no. to the point all of these rewards are nfts so from the key shards all the way obviously to the weapons and armor and stuff that people get out of the loot box that's all NFT. So people can always decide if they wanted to either sell them or if they wanted to actually use them to progress their own character. And that's what I like is it's what you were describing. I was like pointing the pieces together. You're okay, so key shards equals key, which equals loot box, which equals weapons, which equals upgrades, which you use in the game. So what people don't understand is you kind of you kind of like created like a cycle. A cycle of value from one value point leads to the other. There's no open-ended value. It's a direct correlation. Boom, boom, boom. And I think that right there builds consumer trust. And I also think that right there is the key for, for these game companies is when you release NFTs, when you release tokens, make sure it's connected to some point of value. So I really love what you did there. Now, as an as as a operator of this entire project, my belief in business, in in technology and whatever is that the number one key is shipping products i think speed everybody everybody gets so gung-ho mm -hmm. on like perfection i'm big on speed i i think as i think speed's the key i'm not saying don't just rush through it you pay attention to your work of course but uh as gary v likes to say macro patience micro speed work at a fast rate the more you ship products the more consumer feedback you can get the more you can adjust 
is as an operator, you know, when you're building a game and in the NFT space, if people are restless, we want the product now, we want it now, they don't understand. It takes two, three years to build a fully functional game and game economy. Yeah. As the operator, do you focus on speed? Does that ever get to you to ship products out faster? Or does that, do you have a good mind about, do you have a strong mind about that? Um, I think in terms of speed, I think what we managed to achieve over the past 12 months is absolutely unmatched in this space. It is. It's pretty insane. (laughs) So I think that our focus definitely lies on speed while at the same time not sacrificing quality. We could have... we So our initial roadmap um, laid out for the open beta to go live in January, which we could have done. We could have actually released the open beta at that point in time, but we just decided not to because it wasn't at a at a point, at a standard that we felt comfortable with, you know? So we pushed it back until May, which obviously caused, caused some, you know, backlash from the community. And pe- because as you said, like people are impatient and I totally understand that. But what is more important? Is it actually releasing something that's, that could in theory work, but just isn't really what you wanted the game to be at a point of, you know, the open beta release? Or is it better to just, you know, wait it out, make sure the quality is there? It's just another four months. It's not the end of the world, you know? In in that Um, situation, I agree with you, yeah. Yeah, so I think that it always depends on, I mean, you also said it, it's like macro patience, micro speed. Micro speed. It comes down to defining what does micro mean to you and what does macro mean to you? Because in my opinion the 12 month period that like since we launched is still micro and overall mm-hmm. if we take a look at that it was 100% speed while keeping up the quality um and i think that if we look you know 10 years down the road i think uh, that's where we're being patient i i love that i i think that huh, i think that's the key is is for cuz i consider games technically nft projects just better ones like, you guys actually have an, a platform and an environment. Whereas, like, for example, I love the the Deadfellas. I'm not talking shit on, the, like, projects like Deadfellas or even Doodles or stuff like that. But those are static uh, assets. Whereas, even, like, if you think about it, like, Galaxy Fight Club, it's a, it's a comparable project to the Doodles. It is. You guys both have PFPs, but you guys have an entire environment built out. And that's that, to me, is, is key uh, going forward is... I think that's the biggest thing about the utility behind these NFTs is so they have to have some sort of platform, some environment, or fit into something like that. Now, as as you plan, as we talked about scaling Galaxy Fight Club to the mass market, I'm actually curious now because how are you planning to doing that? do that? Because right now your game is tailored, the assets inside of it, it's tailored for Web3 and the Web3 community. But I love your mindset into to create a successful game, you have to take it and scale it to the mass market. So what are your, what are some strategies you have for up-and-coming game developers to kind of follow your lead and do such a thing? I mean, I don't think that there is, like, I don't think that, that anyone in the Web3 space is in a position to give other people advice on that yet because it hasn't been done before. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. So I think it would that's be... hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be quite foolish of me to think that I would be the one to, to start preaching on that, you know? But... Um, overall, I think that in order to in order to make it in the mass market, I think we do need to make it in the Web three space. 
uh, and I think that we need to make it for the right reasons. I don't think that we should uh, base a game's success off of the the money that you can make from it, but actually of how many people are talking about this not related to money on Twitter. You know, how many people are uploading the gameplay? How many people are showing off their killing spree, you know, in-game? The love of the product, or, yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. I think that's kind of how the success of a game is going to be determined moving forward in, in our space. And I think that we should take that as a um, as an indicator for the mass market uh, and then kind of scale it from there. But uh, as I said, like the way that, uh, like how that exactly should look like or is supposed to look like, I don't think anyone has actually, you know, pulled it off. And I think it would be yeah, I think it would be better to to test things first and make sure that I know what I'm talking about before, you know, answering that question. I have a couple of ideas that I think could work, uh, but obviously nothing that's that's that has a proven track record. Well, I think you said I think you said the number one thing earlier in the episode when you said create a, a Web three product that has Web three advantages, market it the Web to the Web two audience, like brand it as a yeah. game, not necessarily yeah. oh blockchain. That I thought that was the biggest key. Now. I have a question. But that, because... that was that wasn't practical. I was think I was no, like, yeah, yeah. regarding your 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 uh, your your question right now is mm-hmm. I was thinking like more practical. Practical ways, You know? Yeah, yeah exactly. I, w- I was gonna say because I feel like a lot of people in the NFT space have these beautiful like game loop ideas, but they don't know how to execute. In your advice, I made a video about this on my Instagram and TikTok yesterday. I think that. No one tells people this, and you and I had a quick talk about this at VCon, but I feel like everybody in the world should start doing whatever they can to have access to raising capital so they can develop their ideas. I think that's the most logical way of gaining financial freedom. There's a lot of people who bootstrap businesses, go 10 to 20 years knocking on doors, but they're smart, talented, creative people. You can build this, you can mold your idea to life with technology. So... My question is for an advice for any up-and-coming game developers who are trying to enter the gaming space, not just crypto. Mr. Yas, how would you go about, if you had nothing, uh, raising capital? Like, what is some advice you have? Um, for a game specifically. For a game specifically. Yes, sir. It's, it's a difficult question because I'm always, I'm always very cautious of answering these kind of questions because... I think that there's a lot of people out there who think they're up they're they're onto something but they're actually not and they're going to misuse any advice or any information to just raise capital and kind of you know not use it in 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 the way that it's it, it's it's supposed to be used um but if we assume that you know someone had a great idea they had a great concept um it's exactly what everyone is looking for you know then i think take it one step at a time i think the way we did it was pretty smart uh we got the community feedback first before raising capital officially you know through selling our nft collection um and i think you can base the potential success of your idea or your game off of the community feedback that you get so I think that's a good indicator of, you know, kind of seeing where you're at and what, how valuable your idea actually is. 
Um, and then taking it from there, I think once that's done, you actually have the the base set for starting the building process. And once you actually have something that's worth looking at, that's when you can start you know, thinking of actually raising significant capital to build out and finish the game. And I love what you said, though. And, and for people like uh, listening to this, if you have nothing right now, right? There was something you said that was very important. Let's say you don't even have access to the starting funds, like to even build your MVP, to build a prototype, to build a yeah. data simulation, whatever. Yas said it right there. You build a community first. The community is key. If you have a community, first of all, investors will come to you. But I also love what you said where and I, community feedback is the is what will take your product to where you need it to be. And I think you need to go off of that. And so I think the number one lesson for up-and-coming game developers, entrepreneurs in Web3 um, I'm going to ask all my guests this going forward. This is the, the first guest I've ever asked this question, but I'm really like now trying to like focus in on providing value. I'm trying to ask the mm-hmm. questions no one will ask. Like no one will tell anybody how to raise capital. Most people who are raising capital don't want some young hungry kid raising capital because that might be their competition. So I want to tell everybody like this is the secret and majority of people can't do it. I get it. But I also think that Everyone has a shot at it if they put their mind to it and if they start yeah. posting content, meeting VCs, developing a pitch deck. And and I think your dreams are on the other end of that. So I really – I love that. I think community is the key. Now, I'm going to end this interview with one question. I don't want to take up too much of your time. For those of you that don't know, we had like another interview before this. I messed it up. If you had to give me one bold prediction about where Galaxy Fight Club will be in a year from now, what would you give to me? Go ahead. Um, that's actually a really difficult question. <laughs> I asked all my guests this at the end of the podcast. I apologize. I'm just curious to see what your vision is one year from now, which is micro, by the way. Yeah, I think I think a year from now, I think the things that we have lined up uh, even before the end of this year are really setting us up for success. I think it's inevitable that Galaxy Fight Club one year from now, or let's say like 12 to 24 months from now, is going to be on every actual involved community member in the Web3 space. I think everyone's going to have it on their phone. I think everyone's going to know what Galaxy Fight Club is. And it's going to be a simple, either people like it or they don't. You know, It's going to be just like with everything in life. People either like it or they don't. But everyone's going to know who Galaxy Fight Club or what Galaxy Fight Club is. And I think that the way we set up um, our KPIs, our internal KPIs over the next 12 months, uh, as I mentioned before, is, is inevitably going to set us up for success. So and I, I, that's another thing I could go on another tangent on is like setting up KPIs internally. But... <laughs> I love that, and I also love what you said where you might like it, you might not, but you'll know about it. And exactly. I guess to, to me, I, I really love that mindset, and I think that personally, uh, from being a, a, I've watched your journey develop from its original stages to where it is now. The progression's been unreal, the speed's been unreal, and as you said, the increase in quality has been the best part to me. Um, so, Mr. Yas, actually, say- before, yeah, maybe before we wrap it up, I actually have one more thing to add. People Please actually do. don't know this yet uh, because it literally just happened last week and we haven't posted anything publicly about it yet. 
uh, but we we were in Austin, Texas, for a charity week, which we got invited to. Uh, with uh, the 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 guests were like sixty of the U.S.'s uh, most famous and most successful uh, NFL athletes, and wow. we played. Uh, we we got them to play Galaxy Fight Club there, so it was part of you know the charity week. We sponsored it. Uh, we sponsored it, uh, or we part of it. Uh, not the whole week, obviously, but uh, we got some teams together, and we got the athletes to play Galaxy Fight Club, and they absolutely loved it. And I think that seeing seeing people in real life that are obviously not me or my friends, you know, seeing them play our game and seeing how much they actually enjoy that experience is absolutely game-changing because it's different seeing people post about it on Twitter and being like, yo, this game is fun. And I think that even small things like these are going to be... This is kind of what I'm referring to, by the way, when I say that the things that we set up over the next 12 months internally are inevitably going to set us up for success. It's because small things like these are going to change the way people think about Galaxy Fight Club. And I think that this will actually be a great case study for other games in the space to kind of adapt and figure out what works and what doesn't because we're already doing all of that, you know? And to get back to my main point, I think that once we start sharing that content, because, you know, we had a full crew filming there and stuff, right? Once we start sharing that content and people realize that, yo, this game is actually fun and people aren't just saying it on Twitter, they see the people holding their phone, shouting and screaming because they got killed or they're on a, on a rampage, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to shift people's minds and actually get people to understand that it is possible to build a fun game in the Web3 space. And they actually realize, yo, Galaxy Fight Club is actually about building a fun game 